0: Hi, Warren. Hello, hello. I'm really excited you're here because you first off are in Texas, so holla to to us Texans. But we second, holla. like everything you sort of embody is very much in alignment with what I believe and, and do and and work towards. So I just think it's such a great you're such a great example of someone who's Business driven entrepreneur, content creator, but also like you have a lot of integrity in what you do. So, for people who are listening who don't know who you are, how do you tell people or explain to people what it is that you do? I'd be very curious to hear this.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the title has changed a lot. You know, nowadays, uh, community building strategist is, is typically what I go by, um, but it's changed a lot. I mean, you know, I've definitely worn a lot of different hats, uh, and you know, used to be a studio manager for a celebrity fashion photographer. Um, then moved into you know Instagram consulting and, and being an Instagram growth strategist, and then realizing that a lot of the methodologies that I was creating were platform agnostic, meaning they applied on every single platform. Uh, and so I, ha- I developed this methodology called the Seven Cs of building a fanatical community. And that kind of took it to where I could just anybody who is building an online platform. I don't work with anybody. I really work with more like impact-driven entrepreneurs that have you know something really interesting to say. They're interested in facilitating like these intellectual conversations online to the masses. I really like working with those um, those people now, and so I get an opportunity to do that, and then also you know run a nonprofit organization. <laughs> that uh, inspires Wonder of the Ocean by teaching the world about octopuses, which is what a lot of people know me for.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Most people probably know you for running the Octonation Instagram platform, which has how many followers at this point?
1: Uh, I think on Instagram, we're up to like 300,000.
0: Incredible. And then do you have other platforms that you get? You have a pretty...
1: So yeah, we have close to 700,000 members across all of our platforms. I mean, we're on TikTok, Twitter, um, Facebook, Facebook groups. Um, So yeah, we're everywhere.
0: Where did, where along that journey of you moving from fashion studio manager to helping people grow their following, did you go, hmm,
1: octopus uh, platform? So when I was seven years old, I, took a field trip to an aquarium. And I remember that day uh, they told us, we're just walking in a single file line, nobody's gonna touch anything. And I was like, I was walking through the line and I have ADHD and remember thinking, I can't really see anything. And so I was like, if I drop to the end of the line and just drop off, no one's gonna know that I'm like, <laughs> I'm not with the class. And so I just moved to the back of the line. And, you know, when you're that age, everybody wants to be as close to the front of the line as possible for whatever reason. Like that was like stats. It's like being first in line. <laughs> uh, and I was like, no, nope. I was like, I'm fine with the back of the line. So I went to the back and then I finally just dropped mm-hmm. off. And I remember touring the aquarium by myself and uh, being in front of the octopus exhibit, looking up and just being like, that thing is the most alien thing I've ever seen in my life. And I just became obsessed with what is that? And, um, and I went to the library to look at books and none existed. And I was like, wow, it must be really alien because nobody's ever even written about it. And there, were, there weren't any resources um, at all. And so um, it wasn't until later on, like, you know, fast forward, you know, I'm you know, working as a studio manager for a celebrity fashion photographer that the book, The Soul of an Octopus came out uh, by Cy Montgomery. And in the first three pages, she talks about how the octopus has always been misrepresented, mischaracterized, um, this, this creature that in Hollywood w- was portrayed as malicious, um, you know, Ursula, you know, she's, she's not the nicest of, she's misunderstood, right? <laughs> but, uh, it was always just this creature that was just, you know, misrepresented. And I thought I could, you know, identify a lot with that. And I said, they just don't know the octopus's story and it's never been presented in a way that would make anybody remotely interested, you know? And so I started, you know, um, cause in the, fashion industry, we worked with influencers, we worked with celebrities, and we paired them with clothing. And, you know, the brand would tell their story through clothes and stuff like that. I said, you know, what if I took the octopus, and I essentially rebranded it, and I started storytelling, and I started connecting it with people who I admired and were making a difference. And so I essentially took that same model, and I applied it to something that I was was always obsessed with, which was the octopus, because I felt like there needs to be you know, more emphasis on this creature because I think it's amazing. And so I started playing around with it. I started writing about it. I started reintroducing the animal as a superhero of the sea that depending on where it lived in the ocean, because octopuses live in every single ocean, they live along every coastline. And depending on where they live, they have a unique adaptive trait that allows them to be masters of their environment. And so I use that as the symbol of you know, resiliency of, you know, you can be the master of your environment. You know, if you're a kid, you're growing up in a really strange place, like figure out how to adapt in that environment and get through it and become resilient. And uh, so it started blowing up. I started getting featured uh, by Ellen DeGeneres. People like Joe Rogan started sharing my posts. Um, You know, celebrities started following us. And, um, but it was all very strategic. Um, I started uh, collaborating with underwater photographers, building campaigns out. Uh, and then realized a lot of my friends were like, how are you doing this? You know, is it just because the octopus is a great niche? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's because like, I know how to build campaigns. I know how to strategically collaborate with people that cater to my audience. I know how to, I'm just marrying my passion with marketing. And so I started working with some of my friends and helping them with Instagram. That's how Instagram kind of take off where I started building out campaigns for them. They started going viral and they're like, you should do this full <laughs> time. <laughs> And I was like, okay, well, how much would you how much would you pay for this? And they're like, well, you built my whole entire brand, so um, <laughs> you know. I started working with you know my now husband Roberto, and he, him really explaining value and money, and um, you know what other people were charging, and I started you know essentially launched my career as a consultant and uh, started doing that full time.
0: In what ways are you, or in your life, have you been resilient
1: like an octopus? Um, I mean, my house, I grew up, like I said, uh, seven brothers and sisters. Um, my mom, you know, did the best that she could with all of us. Um, she was divorced and with, with three other guys, um, not at the same time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) think. she, um, know we went through this this like growing up where it was just kind of like chaotic and um we really didn't know you know where was next Uh, my mom got into an accident she became a prescription drug addict um so there was a lot of me instead of focusing on my life and uh, how, how sad it was that i'm in this circumstance or whatever i used it as a way to become a high performer, um, I, you know, was first chair in band. I was editor of the yearbook. I, you know, was in JHS, and I just kind of removed myself from the situation and became the best that I could be in that environment. And, um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I would say that just, you know, kind of using that and being like, I can kind of create whatever world I I want to create, really helped me out.
0: No, it's I mean, it's fascinating, right? I think that so many of us, especially creatives. Um, and I think even people part of the LGBTQ community like us, I think we've all learned how to adapt to our environments, you know, and I think it's I think it's necessary.
1: yeah. And I would say too, that um, growing up, I mean, I didn't come out until after I graduated high school. Uh, and I remember having this fear that, you know, because a lot of times people ask like why you why were you such a former? And honestly, there was this underlying feeling that I had where, you know, if if for whatever reason, my mom, you know, wasn't OK with it or my parents weren't OK with it, or the world wasn't OK with it, I could be like, well, look, I am I, I'm, I'm such high performing in all these all these things. I'm a good person. Like, yes, I have this this thing about me, but look at all these other things. So it's kind of like I was kind of overcompensating with being a high performer because I was like, at least, you know, um, they could see that I'm. I'm, I'm a worthy person based on all these things. Because during the time, I guess I was growing up, I mean, I mean, it was just, it wasn't, being gay wasn't really looked at like it was now. It was like, it wasn't cool. <laughs> it wasn't cool at all. <laughs> I know, I remember. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so it was something, it was a point of like, wow, like you, I don't know, there was a lot of feelings around it. And I remember my oldest brother, um, I, I mean, he was very much, like being gay was like the worst thing that you could be. I mean, you would be name called all the time. And, um, you know, I was kind of effeminate when I was growing up. And I just remember him saying, like, you're going to like he would call me gay ever since I was like five years old. But it really put me into a position where I was like, I don't even know what that is. Right. And so but he was kind of redefining, you know, what that meant. And it was the last thing that you ever wanted to be. And I remember growing up thinking like, wow, like at some point in time, I'm going to have to confront the fact that he was right what can I do? (laughs) You know, is there something I can do? Yeah, sure. I'll make straight A's. Sure. I'll be, you know, in JHS. So I was kind of resilient through that thinking like, okay, well, you know, (laughs) I don't know. So I I don't know if anybody else can relate to that, but that was totally me growing up.
0: (laughs) No, I think, I think we can, I mean, I was the same way, right? I have three brothers and, and it was very, uh, very much had to be busy and be really good at something because of this thing that I was trying to hide the whole time. And, um, and it, and I think that for many people who are listening, who are part of any marginalized community or, you know, can can probably relate to understanding like, you know, that the reason why I even started this podcast, right. Is visibility is like our visibility diminishes that, that need to overcompensate for what people around us see as um, not acceptable. And, and so I think just even you speaking to that is really helping somebody today. Thank you. Okay, so what is your sort of hope and your, your passion, you know, as, you've, as you're saying, like you're, you're really trying to create more of a storyline around um, this underrepresented undersea uh, creature But what are you, what are you hoping to continue to, to grow or do with that brand for yourself as, as
1: you support other people in their journey as well? Yeah, I think Octonation is really a model for that, you know, many people can replicate from the standpoint of like, we're a very like educational based. Uh, community. I mean, you see our captions on Instagram, they're to the max. They're the longest captions you've ever seen. (laughs) Um, And they're written in such a way that, you know, (laughs) when I was thinking about the content, and I was thinking about education, I thought about, you know, what, you know, if, if two friends met at a coffee shop or something along those lines, and they saw a post on Octonation, how could I empower that person to really be like, you know what, this is worth a conversation with my friend today, you know, and I feel empowered by what I learned to to have a conversation about it. Like Octonation empowered me to be like, hey, did you know that an octopus has a tongue like a cat? Like I just learned that today. I don't know why I feel like, like sharing it with you, but like you really have to look at this account. Like <laughs> octopuses are like really cool. Like I, I want to think about how do you empower someone to facilitate these conversations around something that they think is wondrous or miraculous. And I feel like you know oftentimes people with their content, it can be very ego driven where it's like, what do I feel inspired to say today?" And I kind of take it a step further where I'm just like, what conversations can I facilitate between other people about mm. something that uh, is meaningful for them, or how can I create like with our our merch and things like that? you know, how can I create um, a conversation where somebody walks up and be uh, be like, where did you get that shirt? I really like it. And then have a conversation around, well, I got it from OctoNation. It's the largest Octopus fan club. Then being like, I love Octopus too. So I really think about the conversations that could potentially happen as a result of our brand and how we're facilitating that. And I really do that with everybody that I work with is thinking, okay, outside of you, you know, what is the impact that you really want to make and how can we facilitate those interactions? Um, it's just i guess a a next level of thinking through education and i feel like that's where we're at right now i feel like people are really desperate to be educated and for information and so you can become now that you know everybody has their own kind of like attention graph out there in the world you can become that point of information even if like me i don't have a degree in marine biology or science whatsoever and yet i'm facilitating conversations that no one has ever been able to figure out how to facilitate in a way that's like really approachable and accessible. So a lot of times people with imposter syndrome, they'll like immediately count themselves out and be like, I don't have experience in that. And it's like, you don't necessarily need experience, but you have to be passionate about the thing enough to curate those conversations and really get down to the bottom of something. So Wait, say that again, say that again. That
0: people, <laughs> I think people need to hear that. So, People with imposter, a lot of times people with imposter syndrome, there's different types of imposter syndrome, but you're saying that those. if your imposter syndrome shows up as I need to be an expert in that field, I can't make content, even though I'm passionate about it, say that again.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not necessarily about you at all. It's about you being passionate about that area or that industry and being like, okay, what conversations can I facilitate in this space amongst people? And that's what I, I really did with Octo Nation. is like, oh, yeah, we have, of, <laughs> yeah, we, have yeah we have a team of what?
0: I just love that. I love team. To me, the, everything you're saying, just, just just to comment on this, is like, it's about connection. And I think that that's what people miss out so much in social media because they're so busy being promoted too that. They think some they, they think the content is about promotion and everything you're saying is really about connection. I just I just love that.
1: Yeah. And so every single time I think about, and this is just from my background in the fashion industry, you have to think about, you know, when brands, they essentially have, I mean, all of these brands are selling cloth, right? And they're selling different forms of cloth. Some looks one way, another looks another way. A brand's job is to essentially breathe life into this, this fabric or whatever, and create a lifestyle with it, create a feeling, create, you know, And so I think anybody can do that with whatever you're interested in. Uh, You can breathe life into it. It's just thinking about from a campaign standpoint, you know, how are you going to achieve, you know, what you want to set out to achieve. And so like with me, with OctoNation, our our mission is to inspire wonder of the ocean by educating the world about octopuses. And we can do that in a lot of really cool ways. Um, So like one of our campaigns was interview with an octopus where we would, uh, I would go to aquariums all over the world. And I would go on Facebook Live and I would introduce people to the octopus in a way that they've probably never seen it before, you know, interacting with a person live on camera and realizing that they're not a malicious creature. They're actually pretty affectionate. They're like squishy puppy dogs and, you know, giving them an opportunity Mm -hmm. to ask their questions and to to really have fun with the Aquarius and meet them in a way that they've never met before. So. A lot of people can't afford to go to the aquarium or in landlocked cities. And so this was an opportunity to be like, wow, you know, to teach somebody who's in a landlocked, you know, state about how wonderful the ocean is and how, you know, miraculous this creature is and how, you know, that they, you know, don't have a blind spot. They can see 360 degrees around their bodies. And, you know, just trying to think of really creative ways in which to be that spark where people can be like, oh, like. I didn't really realize why I should care about the ocean, um, you know, before because nothing was really presented to me in a way that was compelling. But Octonation, wow, this is a really great gateway into something that I'm. I start. I want to start studying. And so when people see Octonation as, oh, well, he's an octopus fan club. That's so weird. That's such a niche. I'm like, you can apply what I'm doing to what you're doing. My passion for what I'm doing into building a campaign that really gets people talking about what you're doing. And so I really try to incorporate that. With when I'm teaching or giving a presentation, it's just like figuring out what is that one thing that you can't stop talking about. We can you can build an attention graph or a career around it, a community around it, and really go to town.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think is the biggest obstacle for people when it comes to really clarifying that that part of like building a, of building a platform of of being visible? Mm-hmm.
1: That's a really good question. I mean, the way I kind of dealt with it in the beginning, as far as being visible was concerned, is hiding behind Octonation, Uh, and really, yeah, and really uh, being like, okay, well, I don't necessarily want to be seen, but I can really promote, you know, this animal and get behind it. It wasn't until later that I started warming up and being comfortable with, you know, being face face to camera and uh, and talking about, you know, how I was doing these things, just because I thought, you know the whole imposter syndrome, like, okay, yes, Mm -hmm. like I did all these really cool things, but at the end of the day, like, I came from this house of, you know, my past and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, nobody really cares about that. So, um, so my advice really would be, um, you know, start out facilitating conversations with other people. It doesn't always have to be, you know, all about you. It can be who you choose to bring to the world, you know, Mm and what conversations you choose to have. you know, Oprah is a really great example of that um, as far as, um, you know, having people on her show and bringing what Oprah is really good at was universalizing people's you know, messages to a broader audience. So she was really great at bringing on guests that, you know, had written books or that were just, you know, celebrities. And she would essentially take what they said and be like, OK, so what you're saying is this. And she would turn it into this universal knowledge that we all were just like, wow, that's really good you're really smart, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and she just had this this gift of doing that. And so we attribute a lot of our wisdom to Oprah when in fact it was really a conversation between um, two people. And so like, if, if you're that sort of person that like is just you know brave enough to facilitate conversations in a given arena, sometimes that's enough, you know? If you want more than that and you're not doing it, that's when I would probably be like, okay, well maybe it's therapy, you know? You know, honestly, like therapy for me has been huge and just a lot of support. Like, you know, I hired an executive leadership coach for the past two years to help me delegate things because I wanted so badly to control everything around me Mm. and every single thing that was going out and all the wording and whatever that it was like stunting the growth of my organization. And so I was like, I really want to get out of my own way and I don't know how. So what's the answer here? It's like, obviously, it lies outside of me. Um, do I want help in this arena yes okay I'm, I'm gonna seek help and, and then going through that process of like what is it why don't why do I like why do I not want to let go so bad you know and really getting to the root of that and just being like oh it's because you're a middle child you know oh it's because you know <laughs> just all these different things that come up that you're not aware of but um, I, my mom would always say it's don't, don't be focus group of one. Meaning, you know, if you've already counted yourself out and you've never had a conversation with any, anybody about something, then that's called focus group of one where it's mean like, you've only consulted yourself and you've already counted yourself out. <laughs> if you truly want to do something then start opening up the conversation to, Hey, I really want to be better or I really want to grow this. or this is my vision. I can't get there and start looking for help in that arena, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so yeah. I love that focus group of one. So <laughs> it's so, I mean,
0: I think so many people do that too. Or, you know, the, the thing I talk about a lot is the comparison game that people play just because we're consuming so much content these days. You know, as, as an entrepreneur, as an LGBTQ entrepreneur, I've noticed there isn't a huge amount of openly gay CEOs, you know, leadership content creators or people who are even you you don't really see that um Mm -hmm. in in that space and i think that i do think it's it's changing and evolving but why do you think that is like if you had an opinion or why what do you think it is that's keeping our world or our community or even the the entrepreneur community of really embracing leadership in that in within a a community like that
1: yeah i mean uh, there's there's a lot of different reasons why um, I think Um, I mean, I can only speak from really like my personal, like, personal standpoint from when it comes to um, I always said, or the the excuse that I gave myself when I was growing up. And when I would see other people who were who were like out and proud and and doing all this was just like, it wasn't like the, the main thing that represented me. I felt like, you know, I don't want this to be like the part of me that everyone's just like now looking back, I'm just like okay, was that was that I just saying that to protect, you know, some part of me to not be fully, you know, who I was probably. I mean, there's probably still some trauma there. It could be the just the lack of platforms that are brave enough to have this conversation. So, mm. applause to you for building a platform that is is allowing people to come on and tell their stories. You know, so I think as people start creating the market in certain things, like with Octonation, you know, me creating the market for, you know, Octopus curriculum, for Octopus books, for Octopus. When I first started Octonation, they kept saying, the market is too small to write a book about Octopus. We're not interested in that. And now there's a lot of books that are going to publication for Octopus. You see, so I think it's very much like that. Until, you know, somebody is brave enough to prove a market in a given arena, um, then we just don't see it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's a, that could be a huge reason why is just like, okay, where, where previously has this been celebrated on? And, you know, and just looking kind of like at that, where's the attention graph for that now, you yeah. know? So, yeah, so it's kind of like, like,
0: I also think, you know,
1: I mean, we're just kind of volleying here a
0: conversation, but I also think what something I I've, I've observed at least is I think that you're limited globally when it comes to being an openly LGBT business because like i very recently i think i um i went on like upwork or something and needed somebody to to do some sort of graphic design i can't remember what it was i just was like hiring some i was like pitching something to somebody to have them help me with my website or or something and i didn't even look at where they were located but they were located in like india or syria or some some foreign country and they literally wrote me back and said i can't help you with this because it's for probably husbands for me and uh my husband's oh it's for our square squarespace website uh, and they said i can't help you because this is against my religion mm. right and i'm like but this is business i'm paying you honey like and they were like <laughs> <laughs> they were like sorry right yeah, and it's sort right. of like and i look at some of these world leaders who who are these sort of like you know, Tony Robbins or like these big, huge, um, motivational business leaders. And, and I've always been like, I don't, I, I mean, they're great. They're teaching great stuff, but I'm not them. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm, I can't I don't see myself in them.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, we're always looking and that's, that's why it's really important that people who are listening, who are just like, you know, why me? Or like, what? What about my story? And they're like constantly and I'd be a focus group and canceling yourself out even before giving yourself the opportunity yes. to create something. It's like people are desperate to hear your voice or desperate for you to be visible, so they can be like, "Oh, I finally see um, my place. I finally yep. see that I can create or this is possible for me." And you know, I, I totally agree with uh, um, Tony Robbins and uh, just everybody. You're like, okay, but do you understand? You know what it's like to X Y Z. Yeah. You know, um, and we're looking for our specific <laughs> case, and we say that a lot in like communities. Like I work with somebody who runs uh, Migraine Nation, which is like the a community for women who suffer chronic debilitating migraine, mm. and they have a completely different worldview because, unfortunately, like their day. Just doesn't go by like yours. My day goes. They are completely debilitated by chronic migraine, and so when they're looking for thought leaders, they're, they're looking for people, they're like, yeah, but do you currently understand that I'm only I'm only productive for maybe an hour out of the day, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> or like two hours before I completely crash? So yeah, people are looking for the other other people that are out there in the market that are are representative of them. So we need more, you know, people that are creating the platforms to to facilitate conversations around different things. Even if it's a lot of the same. Even if it's, you know, teaching social media, you know, there's a lot of different niches within social media. I always tell people, you know, go look at Facebook's or Meta now. But if you look at Meta's <laughs> Facebook page and you look at the groups that they feature, they're all very niche, like I love hot sauce or <laughs> like all these different niche groups that have tons of different followers because of whatever, you know, you can create your own Community around that. I love that. Okay, so where do
0: you see your Octonation going, or where do you hope it'll go?
1: Uh, I see Octonation. I see the octopus being used as an animal because it's you know, the octopus has been on this planet for longer than dinosaurs, and they're still alive and they're still thriving. <laughs> um, I see. <laughs> I see them being used in a lot of different ways um, symbolically. They're just a creature that represents so much um, from, you know, regenerative qualities because they can grow, you know, their arms completely back from their outer nerve bundles to the suckers completely a hundred percent brand new to, you know, being a really cool entry point, almost like, you know, Pokemon got to catch them all. Like (laughs) kids, I feel like when they're younger, like, figuring out how to gamify and get them interested at a very young age about the ocean through something that is actually compelling, Um, not through something that a teacher is just like, you should care just because it's important. It's like, unfortunately, (laughs) kids aren't wired that way. And so I'm essentially creating what I wished would exist when I was seven. And I was kind of battling between why I should care about the ocean. And unfortunately, I will not say the education system failed me. I was just really apathetic about the ocean all through middle school, all through high school, very nihilistic in the way that I thought. And it wasn't only until I started, you know, championing the octopus and really getting down into how incredible this creature was and how worthy it was of people really understanding how incredible the world is and the ocean is through things that are in existence and happen in existence prior to even us that I thought, you know, this is a really compelling idea and conversation. So as far as where I see it going is just, not that octopuses are going to save the world, but it's just like they're—they're they're going to be a really um, uh, interesting animal um, because they previously weren't. And I think that uh, I had a conversation with someone earlier this morning who I mentioned. A lot of times, people want to have a conversations around sustainability or not using straws, or they show massive amounts of pollution, or they show the mistreatment of animals in the wild, and that to somebody who doesn't have an appreciation for the ocean right now, just is just like, wow, like we've really screwed up. There's no going back from here. I don't see any end in sight. Whereas if like they're first deeply anchored by something that, that impresses them like the octopus, or they sort of get involved at an earlier age and they're like, no, we should fight for the ocean because actually I know so much about this creature and you know, this is their home too. I feel like it just changes the conversation. Anger isn't a sustainable emotion or feeling. And I feel like there's a lot of companies that are trying to reverse engineer people's giving a shitness about the ocean. Hmm. And I feel like you're you're getting at a point where you sound too evangelical. You sound like you're trying to evangelize people into caring. Hmm. And that's never going (laughs) to work. So first, you have to start from this place of like, okay, what is palatable and what is going, what are they going to truly walk away with and understand and figure out how to incentivize them and get them interested? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like I'm still kind of working on it. I've been doing this, you know, since 2015 founded the nonprofit in 2018. So there's a lot of different collaborative efforts that I want to, I want to talk to like neuropsychologists and biologists and really figure out, you know, am I going down the right path? Um, but I think we're at a really good start right now (laughs) do you do you ever get tired of talking about octopuses (laughs) so i don't only because i use it as a an example for what's possible with my other community leaders and a lot of the campaigns that i'm doing and a lot of the marketing that i'm doing can almost all of it can be applied to anybody else um and so i give i'll give them example with okay this is what i did with Octonation to increase emails this is what i did and this is how you can do it with your thing too um, so I feel like it's my best case study and it's like a something that I teach from like me- my methodology. Like I perfected my seven C's of building a fanatical community through being a practitioner and having my be- best case study be an international, you know, recognized nonprofit organization. So I feel really good about that. And so, you know, that's kind of what I teach from. So not really because i feel like there's some days
0: where people you know i think people think when you own your own business you run your own business that you your sense of freedom goes goes up right Like, oh i'm gonna Mm -hmm. just be free to to do all these things but but in your situation it sounds like it's i mean not freedom is of course a byproduct because you're doing what you love yeah but you know, I don't know, maybe you could just speak to a little bit about that work-life balance and how you're able to like have this thing that you're so passionate about. You've been so passionate about your whole life. It encompasses everything you do. It's a picture on your wall. It's on your shirt. Um, you know, how do you balance that so that it's just like, okay, okay. I, I'm going to just like, let the tentacles go for the night and just (laughs) watch TV or whatever. (laughs)
1: I think the best way that I can explain this is starting with how I work with the people or the creators that I work with now, my community leaders or my experts or, you know, really whatever you want to call them. As we first start with sustainability, you know, what is something that you really enjoy? Um, what's something that you feel like you can do? And like, you feel like it's illegal that you're even getting paid for it. It's like, wow, I really like, this is my guilty pleasure. Like for me, I love buying research papers about octopuses and just, taking notes and being like okay I understand they're saying this but how would I talk about it in a way that was, is actually like mainstream or somebody could actually talk about in a really cool way Wait and you love kind of like- you love taking
0: research papers reading them and then breaking <laughs> them down and translating them for your yeah, audience
1: Yeah like like you know if I was trying to tell a friend that didn't care at all about something Like, how can I say this in a really compelling or convincing way? That does not
0: sound like fun to me. That is so fascinating. But here is the
1: thing. But here is the thing. Like, I I have this conversation with anybody that I start working with. Is like, what is that one thing? And it's different for everybody. I, you know, uh, Emily D. Baker is somebody who I started working with, and um, she was like, you know, if I could just watch the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills all day long, or like just the Real Housewives, you know, um, thing, and just talk about it, she was like, I would just love that. And so I was like, okay. And I was like, you you realize you can get paid for that, right? And she was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, yeah, like you could become a commentator on YouTube and get paid just to talk about the Real Housewives. And she was like, I don't don't see how that's possible for me. And I said, okay, well, let me map out this this huge marketing strategy to let you know how this is possible for you. So I always start with somebody's like love, fascination and something that would be sustainable um, for them and then I kind of interweave their their life stories. So she was a, a former deputy district attorney in Los Angeles for over 15 years. And um, so we were just like, okay, you're gonna break down the the law or the legal contracts behind the popular news stories that everybody likes to talk about, but you're gonna bring it into pop culture. So you're gonna talk about Britney Spears' conservatorship, uh, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Erica Girardi case or whatever. You're gonna talk about, you know, these these things that are happening, but you're gonna talk about it to an audience that really wants to know, but can't really break down the legalese and the contracts. And so if you look at her YouTube channel right now, she pulls up legal contracts and she reads through it line by line and commentates. And she has over 200,000 followers. She makes a very good living doing this full time. So, you know, I start there with everybody It's just like really figuring out in this new world that we have where you can really create this online persona and brand Start with something that really lights you up. For me, it's reading research papers and writing about octopuses. And I've turned, I could turn this that into a full time career where I just worked for Octonation full time. But there's just something about me. I think it's this middle child syndrome where I want to help other people be like, okay, what do you really like? Oh, you think that's weird? Okay, let's make this your whole entire life or your whole entire <laughs> world. And I've done this so many different times with so many different businesses and people that it's, it's fun for me, it's like a puzzle. Almost, and so yeah, I can't I can't quite shake that aspect of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, wow. so yeah, that's that's you know yeah for me it's research papers for other people you'd be surprised like I, I worked with somebody that runs the largest Gilmore Girls fan club and I was like wow that's still a thing and she's like yeah it's still a thing people are still living in Gilmore Girls fantasy land and I was like <laughs> okay she has a six figure a year business you know talking about the Gilmore Girls so. It's possible. <laughs> oh,
0: that's so encouraging for I think for so many people listening. So that that's that's so fabulous, and I wish yeah. I'd
1: met you. I wish I'd met you ten years ago. I wish. <laughs> I'd but probably with, be- with people, I always tell it goes back to like one of the seven C's of building a fanatical community, and the one I stress on the most because this is where it all starts is clarity. So having clarity along the lines of who is the community for and what is it about? And the more vague those two things are, the more you have potential to alienate your audience and, and them not really understand where they fit in. So if you make the community too broad, then what happens is there's all these people that are just like, I don't think I fit in here. I'm not really seeing myself represented here. I don't, you know, and then it, you kind of like muddy the like the, the community. Whereas when when communities start, they should have a very clearly defined you know, market and people that they serve and problems that they solve, they can then grow from that. But I think first they have to establish this this community of people that that really understand why they're there, and you know what the community is for and who it's who it's for. So, so what yeah. are the seven Cs? So you said clarity. Yeah. So clarity is the first one. Um, then you get into core values, which is what's the collective identity of the community. Like you know, with Octonation, obviously we're very positive. We don't shame Aquarius where we believe Aquarius on the front line of ocean conservation. There's a lot of values that we tie into our community that make our community what it is. Uh, Then you get into content. How are you deserving of attention on a daily basis? You know, how are you going to keep that attention to, and uh, that's content. Then you get into um, collaboration. So who are you working with that essentially caters to your core values? There are people that you get along with like, in our example with OctoNation, we would probably never work with PETA um, because PETA you know, um, has a lot, they're an animal rights organization. They're very polarizing and that's not what OctoNation stands for at all. They're anti-aquarium. Animals are not ours to use for entertainment, uh, to eat, all these different things. Again, obviously you can see that it would just wouldn't be a thing. So that's collaboration. Then you get into connection and connection is how are you making your community members feel seen so what campaigns are are you creating so that your community or what interactions are you creating so that your community says you know what i feel seen i'm a part of this community but there are opportunities for me to be seen by the larger community so on our Instagram, we, you know, you can pin comments, you can do caption this, you can give people opportunities to win stickers, you can uh, do an, a photographer spotlight, you can do an artist spotlight, you can really make your community feel connected. Then you get into conversion, so how are you ethically converting your followers into either products, programs, services in a way that is feels good, that's in line with your core values, that you feel like des- you're deserving of their attention, so it all feels great. Uh, And then the last one is consistency and that's all about sustainability. So how are you doing this in a way that is sustainable to you that you don't feel overwhelmed or if you're, if you do feel overwhelmed, it's a good overwhelm. Like you're like, I'm having a lot of fun. Yes. I'm doing a lot like me with Octonation, like this international photography competition, this pitching to discovery, these, you know, nonprofit community professional award, this, you know, I feel really overwhelmed all the time, but it's like this really good stress overwhelm type feeling Mm -hmm. where it's like, I don't feel like I'm behind that's that's it's like creating something that's very consistent for you and that's kind of like the the seven c's and if there's any part of those c's that feels kind of out of alignment or you don't have fully worked out then your community typically you'll see low engagement you'll you'll have like uh, identity crisis every day being like why am i even doing this am i even making a difference you know all these different things that will come to you as a result of you not having the, this this strategy on paper that you can see in front of you that's like this is why i do what i do this is how I do it. This is how I'm going to keep myself from going crazy. I, like I see the vision. And so I think it's really important that, you know, the community leaders kind of map this stuff out. That's really, really, <laughs> really powerful. How do people learn more
0: about not just Octonation? Of course, we can, we'll put a link in the description down below, but also working with you and learning about the seven C's or any of that um, the support that you offer.
1: Yeah, so I have a big intention this year in 2022 is to kind of reactivate my my personal brand because I did hide behind, um, and I'm sure anybody can relate, You hiding behind your clients or hiding behind, you know, the job that you have or hiding behind, yeah. you know, whatever is I kind of like was like, okay, well, I'm cool. You know, I can just, you know, do my own thing and not really show up and talk to the camera and talk about, you know, different things. And so this year I've like making a conscious effort to have more personal brand. So if you look on Octa Warren on Instagram, I'm going to attempt <laughs> to uh post more about me, post more about my clients, post more about like, you know, what I'm involved with and then try to extract some lessons that I can share with with everybody else. But that's pretty much I also have a community on Facebook called Community Growth and Profits with Roberto and me where he talks about monetization, I talk about you know uh, uh, building out campaigns or let's look at campaigns that are really working right now, what are trends that are really working right now in communities. So I'd say those are, are two places where you can kind of discover about me.
0: Amazing, I'm so glad you came. Anything else you wanna share or talk about that we didn't cover?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess when there are, there are opportunities to show up and, and have a conversation about lgbtq visibility um that comes up during a conversation um i guess look for platforms that allow you to express all aspects of yourself um i think this is really fun and important even me saying you know i have adhd i said it on a panel yesterday and the chat blew up um with people being like wow like it's really cool that warren just mentioned that so i mean i really feel like saying, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm gay. I have a husband and we do this thing called life together. And he's this side of the monetization I'm gross side and seeing a productive relationship uh, and seeing how two people can work together to build something really cool is really important and um, could inspire somebody else to, to look for that or to feel like, Hey, that's something that's possible for me. So yeah, that's what we're all, that's, I'm
0: all about that. Like helping that person to go oh my gosh, I had a, a vision that that could happen. And there's proof seeing seeing you and Roberto. And then and, and so we will put links down in the show notes for everyone to go check out Warren and everything he's uh, about, all of his tentacles. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank you for coming here and chatting. I can't wait to see what this year brings you.
1: Awesome, thank you, Brett.